0: Um, I, I'm going to cut this out, but I just want to note that uh, look, I'm looking at Bowen Bourne's headshot, and he looks exactly like someone named Bowen Bourne
1: would look like.
0: <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. Great to have you with us. Once again, we have about five days of college basketball in the books now. Um, most teams have played at least one game. Some haven't, you know, that's just the kind of season that we have here. But five days in, we are here with you to try and make sense of everything that has happened so far. As I was last week, I am joined once again by my co-editor, Sam Newberry. Also this week on the pod for the first time making her debut, our new social media editor, Hannah Butler. So thank you both for uh jumping on with me for a little bit on this Sunday night. As I said, we've had five days of basketball already. Uh, Real quick, hoping you could each give me what your favorite thing was or your biggest takeaway was uh, from this week of action.
1: I think a big takeaway, in my opinion, is just that we really saw a lot of teams without that typical preseason scrimmage, kind of the more informal games. So seeing a lot of teams even big name teams make mistakes we wouldn't normally see from them so i thought that was kind of an interesting where interesting change of pace where everybody really started at zero all on the same level so i thought that was neat to kind of watch it all play out
0: yeah that was really weird to see uh you know like every year you you have a you know a couple of by game upsets and you know maybe you get one of those every day it seemed like a lot of high major teams really, really struggled. Even the ones who, you know, who won their bye games, like Ohio state today against UMass Lowell, uh, Illinois struggled
2: to beat Ohio right now. Michigan is in a dog fight with and three, uh, Oakland. So and, and that's a bad Oakland team. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a real bad, bad Oakland team. I,
0: I watched a full 10 minutes of them and I feel like I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're right. It, it is weird to see, And, you know, it, it kind of gives you a little bit more respect maybe for what happens in those first few weeks mm-hmm. of this um, of the preseason, you know, before we really have access to our teams. Um, just because even, you know, from my perspective, as a UConn fan watching that first game against Central Connecticut, where, you know, Central is one of the worst teams in the country. They really struggled in that first half you know, before getting it together, running them off the court in the second. And then in their second game against Hartford, they started out great, had an awesome 10 minutes. And then, you know, Dan Hurley went to his bench and kind of relied on his second team the rest of the way. And as a result, it was close. I think UConn only won by like 15 points. Mm -hmm. And it was, quote-unquote, a game, you know, most of the second half, even though I don't think anyone ever really thought they were going to lose. So, yeah, it's kind of like teams are trying to play their – scrimmage is in exhibition games now, except the games actually count and they could get, uh, they could get bitten for it. And it's, it's going to be something to watch. I think in the next couple of weeks as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam, what about you?
2: Um, So I think my takeaways sort of twofold one, we're going to talk about more later. So I don't want to spend too much time on it now, Um, but how good the a 10 is, especially obviously at the top. um, And we still haven't seen a couple of the top teams yet, you know Saint Bonaventure and Duquesne have yet to play games. Um, the the non UMass Lowell, the actual UMass, if you will, has yet to play a game. Um, you know, so there's Dayton has yet to play a game. Um, you know, there's there's a ton of teams at the top of the A10 that are really really good, but we're going to get into that. Um, and so, uh, a spoiler for my rankings that'll be coming out tomorrow. Uh, the biggest surprise for me uh, this week was Saint Mary's. Um, yeah,
0: that's a good call. So, yeah.
2: uh, you know, lost to Memphis by double digits, um, on a neutral court. Um, I think that was, they were in the bad boy mower thing out, out in South Dakota, but then, uh, <laughs> the bad get, boy games. yeah, a good win over Northern Iowa, a good win over South Dakota state. Um, you know, a, t- a year, you know, after Jordan Ford left sort of, you know, big question marks on what St. Mary's is going to look like, but yeah, they, they're, you know, they're playing at a Wisconsin-style pace right now. Um, they're 344th in the nation. But um, they're they're beating good mid-major teams right now. And, yeah, 73-56 70, against Memphis as a loss isn't the, the sexiest result. But um, it's not a bad one. You know, you could have been blown out by a, a Memphis team that many have, you know, in the top three in the AAC this year. Um, although Houston is probably by far and away the favorite. So, uh, you know, that's that's not a terrible loss. And then you get a win over you know Northern Iowa and South Dakota State um, on a neutral court. Uh, and then you still have a chance to beat San Diego State on a neutral court in late December. So I'm curious to see what St. Mary's does this year, especially in a, a WCC that looks really, really good on paper.
1: I think definitely along with that with St. Mary's is I think they have really good fight in them. I think at one point with Northern Iowa, they were down 16 and they came all the way back and won. And I think that fight is really going to pay off well as we get further into the season.
0: Yeah, and that's something that maybe you wouldn't expect to see from a team like St. Mary's right now that is relying on so many pieces that have to play different roles than they did last year. Mm-hmm. uh saint mary's i thought was probably the fifth best team in the west coast conference coming into this year because i thought figure gonzaga byu pepperdine san francisco would all be ahead of them um kind of rethinking that now after that really good showing at uh, the bad boy mowers crossover classic and of course you know why why am i surprised like this is what randy bennett does every year so you know naturally saint, saint mary's going to be a contender and you no, know, the, the league is more fun that way because that rivalry with Gonzaga is, is so great. I just wish, you know, they played a more entertaining style of basketball, but I guess that's a conversation for a different day. Um, I'll give you my thing here. And I, I'm only saying this because, you know, I know we're going to talk about Gonzaga. We're going to talk about Western Kentucky, the A 10, all of the really big stories. The one thing I wanted to make sure we didn't miss uh, was the amazing three game stretch that Division 3 Greenville has just finished up. Uh, if you're unaware, they began their season on Wednesday, November 25th at Samford. They lost 174 to 99. They then went to Kansas City, lost 138 to 97, and then tonight at Murray State, they lost 173 to 95. And I respect the hell out of that. <laughs> well, they play the system, right? Um, th- it looks like it. Yeah. So I, I watched that first half against Murray State because I had to. Like, I, I had to see that team play. And they play like a run and shoot kind of, uh, you know, five guys on at a time, line changes every dead ball kind of, kind of thing. The, the thing that doesn't seem to work for them is that they're not good at shooting threes. So that's, you know, right away, that's a problem. Then they give up the rebound. Everyone converges on the guy who gets the rebound. And then, like, two guys on the other team leak out for an easy basket the other way. Like, that was the entire half. And I think, uh, gosh, I just tweeted this stat. Let me just pull it up in front of me. Murray State uh, attempted 67 layups tonight. They were 49 of 67 from layup range and 19 of 19 on dunks. So, like, that that should tell you right there that uh, the the transition defense was kind of lacking for them.
2: I mean, being semi-familiar with uh, Greenville, um, having grown up not super near there, but in a range where people, uh, you know, people from my high school would sometimes go there for college, Um, but... uh, I think they've been doing this for a little while now. Um, they're an easy team to beat up on because they have this system, but at the same time, it's kind of like Grinnell College in Iowa. You know, you just sort of yeah. give shooters the ball and hope that you can make more threes than the opposing team does twos. Um, we can. It's, it's not a terrible strategy, especially when you're expecting to lose to teams like Murray State or uh, Samford or anybody, so... Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the D two season, or you know, I, I don't even know if their conference is having a D two season. So this may have been their chance to play basketball. Um, so I'm,
0: I'm looking at their schedule now. There looks like they're playing conference only games. Gotcha.
2: So I I, I respect I, like you, Russ. I respect the hell out of them for it, um, and it certainly does make uh, do, does make for entertaining basketball if you like dunks and breakaways and lots and lots of numbers on the scoreboard.
1: Yeah, I think what's interesting there too is with so many high scoring games, I almost wonder if a factor of that is once again that not getting to really play other teams for so long. Is you like you can stand in the gym and shoot threes or whatever for as long as you want, but really playing defense against guys who aren't on your team. I think that's been an interesting kind of adaption that's led. I almost want to say that's been a factor in a lot of high scoring games, but that's just my theory. Um, Like you said, it's, it was an incredibly entertaining game to watch since I had nothing invested in said game. Right?
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. It's great. If you're not a a Greenville fan, or maybe if you're a Greenville fan, it's it's fun too, (laughs) because it's a meaningless division one game and you know, who knows, maybe one of your guys gets hot and, you know, keeps you in the game for a while. So it, it was a lot of fun to watch. I wanted to make sure we mentioned it. Unfortunately, this looks like the end of their Division One tour. Um, I only hope they keep scheduling those in the future. Um, moving on to Division One, you know, the, the thing that we cover. Um, <laughs> Hannah, you're on for the first time here tonight. You're a Northern Iowa student. You're a Northern Iowa fan. Um, Northern Iowa started this season, obviously ranked very high in the other top 25. And for good reason, they went to the crossover classic this week and lost all three games that they played. Of course, they were without a very important piece there. Uh, take us through what happened this week for you and I, and how, how worried should fans be?
1: You know, so you kind of mentioned it, Russ, but with not having Trey Burhow, who's a senior for Northern Iowa, uh, he was out because of COVID protocol. The athletics department didn't clarify if he has it or if he was just exposed and had to quarantine. Um, But last year, we saw Trey start in all 31 games, and he averaged 12.5 points a game. So he really has that experience. He's a starter. He was a really key piece of that UNI team. So then, not having him on the court for those three games, I think, was a big part of you and I's problem. And part of that too is that you and I's team this year is pretty young. Obviously, we've got A J Green and Austin Fife, who are both juniors this year, who heard a lot of yet last year. Um, but we also had a lot of freshmen and sophomores on the court who made almost needed another really experienced player out there just to help them. Um, get used to it because jumping from once again, not having any of those uh, scrimmages is jumping from really, like you look at Bowen Bourne, he's jumping from playing high school basketball for the last time, last March to starting in a D one tournament, which is definitely, I think a factor there too. Um, I think Bowen Bourne's really going to be a big player to watch as he settles in a little bit more the same with Noah Carter, who was a sophomore. He actually, I believe, dropped 28 points versus Western Kentucky in the first game, but then kind of through the next couple games, couldn't really get back in that same rhythm. But I think they'll both be really interesting to watch as we get a little deeper into the season and they get a little more experience under their belts. And I think kind of another issue there was that um, having younger guys on the court with the ball, they're going to be more likely, I think, to... I'm going to get the ball up to the basket. I just want to get it out of my hands as fast as possible, I'll be making plays a lot. So there were a lot of plays where one person would get the ball and just immediately shoot rather than letting the clock run down a little bit and not really using up the full extent of time for a play, plus not being able to get a stop. I think that was really, that was really another problem that you and I ran into this weekend. But I think they're I personally am not super worried. I don't think you and I fans should be really worried right now. I mean, we have um Trey Burhouse out, but he'll be back soon, hopefully. Um, and I think we'll once he's back, there's gonna be more of a rhythm that they get back into. Um so that's kind of where I'm at. I know that Coach Jacobson kind of said the same thing. That's where I usually look to him, see what he's thinking. So I know that. There, I don't think you and I, fans, should be super nervous yet.
0: Yeah, the only game that I that I watched was that first one against Western Kentucky, and I came away super impressed with Noah Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, disappointing, now now that you mentioned it, see that he didn't uh, quite have the same success in the next two games, but definitely someone to watch, 28 points, uh, 9 of 13 from 3. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Insanity. Uh, with, with 7 rebounds. Um, you know, so something, I guess, Good when, when you look at um, Missouri Valley play coming up is uh, Ben Jacobson's probably the right guy to have on the sideline if you're if you dropped kind of unexpectedly these first few games uh, he just knowing how much players tend to trust him and, and the calming influence that he has mm-hmm. on his team um, so in in that regard yes I do think they'll be okay you know once Valley play starts they're still maybe maybe the best maybe the second best team um in that conference. So I I'm not super worried about where they are like standings wise. What concerns me is the next two games on their schedule are Richmond and Wisconsin.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: there's a really good chance they start this season 0 and 5. Um and you know li- listen, I if you've listened to this podcast before, you you know that I really hate early in the season when people say you know, oh X team lost uh lost these two games they shouldn't have. Uh if their chance for an at large bid is gone now. They have to win their conference mm-hmm. tournament because you know, shut up. It's it's November or December, like there's so much time left. Bad teams make the tournament because it's sixty eight team field, like they can turn it around, don't don't overreact. Uh if this year with this type of start, Northern Iowa might have to win the the Valley tournament to go to mm-hmm. go to the dance this year. Uh, Because there's not going to be many opportunities uh, for quality wins unless they reel off wins at Richmond and at Wisconsin, uh, which, of course, is a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, They're probably going to have to win Arch Madness, and that's not something I expected to be saying on November 29th.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely I think they're at least at home against Richmond, which might give them a little bit of a boost. But I think you're absolutely right in that this season there's not there's just not the same amount of opportunities there would be in a normal season to kind of like get out and play different teams and get something going so I think that it's really going to take winning those two games to get them really in that conversation and I think especially coming off of the way Arch Madness ended for them last season dropping like 20 to Drake in the first round that wasn't the way they wanted to do Arch Madness so I think that kind of influenced how they played this year that they wanted to come out strong and they really didn't, but I'm hopeful they'll turn it around.
0: And I I should correct myself. They they do play at Richmond and at Wisconsin, but now I'm looking at their schedule. There's a game against green Bay thrown in there uh, in the middle. So that could potentially be an opportunity Mm -hmm. for a win. Um, But yeah, not the best start for Northern Iowa whatsoever. Uh, Sam, did you, did you have
2: something to add there? Oh, Just really quick. I mean, none of their games were exactly blowouts that they've lost. Um, right. And, you know, obviously you don't want to give up that big run to St. Mary's when you did have a lead that large. Um, and, you know, Utah State hasn't exactly impressed either because, um, you know, this is Utah State's only win, um, having lost to a very surprising VCU, who I could have also mentioned um, because they were picked ninth, I believe, in the A10, um, and yep. South Dakota State. Um, so this this is sort of, and the, you know, Utah State got blown out by South Dakota State. Um, so to you know, Northern Iowa to lose that game to a Utah State team that really didn't have an identity, um, and you know, looks very shaky right now. Um, you know, not great. I can understand the Western Kentucky loss, um, and you know, like I said, St. Mary's was really surprising to me. Um, and sometimes games like that happen. But I think the Utah State loss is the biggest question mark. And then, you know, obviously having to go to Richmond, who just beat Kentucky, and having to go to Wisconsin, who looks like a top five or top ten team, um, you know, probably the rest of the way. You know, How much did it hurt to say that? I can be objective on the podcast. (laughs) I'm a Marquette grad for anybody who doesn't know. Um, So Wisconsin and Marquette in basketball don't exactly – like each other but i mean objectively they look really good this year they're starting five seniors um you know it's a they 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 return to basically everyone from a team that or every major player um from a team that won or want a co-share of the big 10 last year um you know that's it, it's a really good basketball team objectively um so having Fair. to go to madison um is terrifying um It's a, it's a tough place to win. Um, and honestly having to go to Marshall, um, is another game on that schedule that is not a gimme win for Northern Iowa, especially, um, if Trey isn't back. So, um, I, I will admit I was impressed with Bowen Bourne, uh, freshman guard. Um, you know, he consistently put up double digit scoring. Um, you know, he's shooting almost 50% from three, um, on 21 attempts. So it's not just like he made one of two, um, and he for a freshman is not turning the ball over. Uh so uh you know exciting to see what he can do um especially mm-hmm. if uh Trey comes back and he sort of gets you know less minutes and ha- has less of a burden put on his shoulders. Um it'll be really interesting, but I think I'm with Rush that um this is looking more and more like a team that has to win the conference tournament. Yeah. Uh
0: shifting gears to a much more um a, m- a much happier note for the purposes of our website, uh, holy shit. Gonzaga looks really good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, Insanity. Did you
0: guys watch their, their two games against Kansas and Auburn?
1: Yeah. I watched them yeah, against Kansas. Yeah.
2: It, it like, mean, honestly, it's not, there's not a team in the country that good. And it's not, I mean, like Baylor has looked really good so far, but they've kind of, I beat up seen Baylor yet. They, so they beat up Washington today. Um, so take that into account. Um, but, uh, you know, that's a, that's a Baylor team that is maybe the next best team in the country and, you know, having beat up Washington today, and then they beat up, uh, Louisiana earlier or yesterday. So, um, you know, Baylor, Baylor gets to play Gonzaga next weekend, which will be must watch television. Um, and Baylor will also play Illinois, um next week. So it'll be really interesting to see if they're legit. Um, Gonzaga played two power conference teams, one being, you know, a top 10 team in Kansas perennial blue blood um, perennial final four contender. Uh, and just looked a completely different tier above. them.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah. They were just, it was incredible. It was an incredible game to watch just because I could not, wrap my head around cause Gonzaga is always pretty good, but like, this is a whole different level that was so like, it was fun basketball to watch.
2: Gonzaga with a dominating point guard and Jalen Suggs is something that we haven't seen in what a decade. Um, you know, we've seen good point guards, but we haven't seen a point guard like Jalen Suggs. Um, and he, for a freshman playing in his first two NCAA games ever, um, looked the part of an all-american jalen
0: suggs right from the start showed that he belonged here um and and it honestly it looked like he had been playing with these guys for a couple years already uh the way he was able to uh find guys like drew timmy and 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 cory kispert it, it was really impressive one note uh, andrew nemhard was declared eligible shortly before that first game so it, a really good Gonzaga team got even better, like right before they started playing. Uh, and and Nemhard had two really solid games, or at least one really solid game. The Kansas one had 11 points, um, three assists as well, had three assists, five points uh, against Auburn. So another, just another weapon uh, that they had there. Sammy, you, you said that they're the best team and it's not even close. And I tend to agree
2: with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's hard to see how, uh, you know, I am I will probably be our our Ken Palm sycophant, um, this year, <laughs> uh, but I, I do really put a lot of stock into what Ken Palm's algorithms say, um, and it it's hard to look at this where he has you know Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy are both in the top ten player of the year so far, um, if anybody has any familiarity with the Ken Palm page, he puts highlighted numbers under different stats for like top four, 400 or 500 rankings, and they are splattered all over um, the Kansas lineup sheet. Um, they, I mean, this is a hyper-efficient offensive team that plays good bend-don't-break defense. I mean, you know, they're a top 15 defense too that has won against two pretty good offenses so far. Um, and, you know, t- they're the best offense in the country. There's nobody that can stop the combination of Suggs, Kispert, and Timmy. I, I just don't see a team being able to squash all three of those players in one game. And so, you know, it, it, it's... It, I, I find it hard to see, you know, like Baylor's going to be a really, really good basketball game. I find it hard to see another game where they lose. Um, I, I think that they just are too... Like, if they can defend uh, Luca Garza against Iowa and not let him go for 30 on like 12 of 13 from the floor and they beat Baylor. I don't see a game that they lose on the rest of their schedule. There's just not a team in their conference as good as it is that can contend with like Andrew Nebhard was a top level scorer and playmaker with Florida last year and he transferred and is now eligible. And he's like the fifth option on this team because Joel Ajayi Ajayi is here. Like, how do you even compete with that offensive firepower? I don't know, you don't,
1: <laughs> yeah, you simply do not
0: <laughs> I kind of there's like a, a really sick part of me that really wants to watch their game against Tarleton State on December eighth. Oh, it's gonna be rough. <laughs> oh. I just i I want to see what happens <laughs> um, now you know we we knew Gonzaga would be really good, maybe we didn't we might not have expected them to look this good this soon. Uh, One team that has also exceeded my expectations, and and I think um, you guys, uh, your expectations as well, at least to a degree, is is Western Kentucky. Uh, They went two and one in the crossover classic, as we mentioned, beat Northern Iowa. Then they beat uh, a good Memphis team and lost a close one to West Virginia. West Virginia, one of the best teams in the country, uh, w- we knew that Charles Bassey and Tavion Hollingsworth were two excellent players. Bassey, uh, the, the 6'11 big guy who is going to be a, a first-round NBA draft pick, and, and Hollingsworth, their senior guard, who's kind of been there forever. Uh, one thing that I really liked watching them uh, throughout the week was that, in addition to those two who—they they were both great both days— uh, they they had somewhat different kind of step up and be that third guy each time against West Virginia. It was uh, Josh Anderson, who was against Memphis. Um, they had uh, Carson Williams. And then it was Davion McKnight, the, uh, the freshman, in that first game against Northern Iowa, scoring 21 points. Uh, just kind of goes to show you that, you know, Western Kentucky is going to need a, a good third option in addition to Bassey and Hollingsworth. And and they have a few different people that that they could look to. And I think that bodes well for them going forward.
2: Right. Especially in a conference. So, uh, you know, CUSA sort of has, it has them, it has Marshall and it has North Texas sort of, and and then old dominion is not anything to slouch at either. Um, but you know, it's sort of, you know, Western Kentucky, Marshall, North Texas, um, I don't think any of those other teams have the one-two punch of Bassey and Hollingsworth. Um, You know, I was the one that tweeted from the account that Western Kentucky is the best team in the state right now Um, or the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth. Sorry, Cam, the Commonwealth. Um, Sam, that's Xavier erasure. Yeah. (laughs) As, as a, as a big East fan, I take offense to that, but um, (laughs) so I, no, I mean, I think Russ, you hit it on the head, you know, Bassie and Hollingsworth are an incredibly dynamic duo, and as long as you know one of McKnight or Josh Anderson or Luke Frampton, um, you know, or you know, Carson Williams on any one night sort of is willing to be the third option or has a game good enough to be the third option, um, I think it, they're they're definitely the favorites in Conference USA, and um, I I find it hard to believe, you know this considering this year, you know, they play Louisville on Tuesday. There's a chance if they beat Louisville um, in Louisville, this could be an at-large team because they have good wins over Northern Iowa and Memphis. Mm -hmm. They played a really, really good West Virginia team. Who's probably in line to get a two or a three seed, um, you know, close. And then they, if they can steal a win at Louisville, um, you know, they have little rock and Rhode Island left on their schedule. So that's two more solid wins. Um, not great, but good. Um, and, uh, you know, if they, even if they don't necessarily win the Conference USA tournament, um, this could be an at large team.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm glad you mentioned Luke Frampton as well. That's some, someone I forgot about. He had like some real breakout moments as a freshman at Davidson, uh, some ex- extraordinary games, putting up 20, 20 plus multiple times, and then got hurt uh, last year before his, uh, before his transfer. Like, that's just another option. This is the deepest Western Kentucky team that Rick Stansberry has had. uh, And, and I think it's it shown early on and, and it's going to, as we move forward this, this season. And I think that's why this year is different. You know, the last couple of years we went in with really, really high expectations for the Hilltoppers and they were good, not great. I, I think this is, this is the year that they are that at, at large quality or, you know, certainly the quality kind of team that is capable of winning a game in the NCAA tournament.
1: Oh, I absolutely oh, agree with that. Um, I'd say, like, even, like, as a UNI fan, I will be impartial for the sake of the podcast. I, I loved watching Fine. them. I loved watching them play basketball. Um, I think Bassey, like you said, he's going to be huge. I think he was really exciting to watch. I think they're they really established themselves from the get go as a really strong team and I absolutely think uh um at large bid if they keep it up I think it wouldn't be out of the question at all.
0: Yeah, and and now Sam it, it's the uh the time that you've been waiting for because <laughs> Western Kentucky looks great and we will certainly talk a lot about them going forward, but two other teams looked awesome. These first few days, Richmond and St. Louis, both got huge wins. And I know you have been keeping a close eye on the Atlantic 10. Uh, Tell us how we should feel about the Spiders and about the Billikens.
2: Uh, So uh, I've adopted the A-10 as sort of the conference I'm going to pay the most attention to this year just because of how intriguing it is, uh, sort of one through seven, one through eight even. Uh, You know, right now, Ken Palm being eighth place is Davidson. Uh, you know, Rhode Island, Duquesne, Saint Bonaventure, VCU, Dayton, Richmond, and St. Louis. Um, this is a three bid league. I, 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 this should be a three bid league. Um, you know, obviously Rhode Island or uh, Richmond went into Kentucky today, beat Kentucky at home by twelve. Um, you know, Kentucky always having a lot of freshmen and a very weird year against a spiders team running out. You know, basically all seniors. Um, early in the season, not that surprising, really. And in fact, I, I wrote the the preview article for Richmond and sort of called out the Kentucky game as you know, if they can get uh, one of these wins, um, that's uh, that's going to be pretty huge. Uh, and they they got one. Um, so this this is a team. Uh, Richmond still has to play Charleston, uh, Furman, Northern Iowa. Um, so they go to Charleston, but then they get Furman in Northern Iowa, both really solid mid-major teams. Um, at home, they go to West Virginia and to Vanderbilt. Um, you know, Vanderbilt, bottom of the SEC. Um, I would hope that's an away win for Richmond. If they can pick off West Virginia too, this is a team that's going to be Dayton from last year. Um, you know, in line. Oh, are you for- saying there are one seed? I. Uh, They they looked like it against Kentucky. They looked like it against Kentucky. Wow, Um, they look like a top four protected. Let's let's do this. They look like a top four protected seed. Um, You know, especially if they can sort of like if the only blemish on their record going into um, conference play is a loss at West Virginia, right? Mm -hmm. That's that that's a pretty good resume and a team that you know if they get business done in a very very tough a ten. you know, either they win their conference tournament or go to the finals while being regular season champions. Um, definitely an at-large team. Definitely, you know, I, if they're below a five seed, I'll be angry if that's how it works out. Now, <laughs> if they if they collapse in the A-10, um, you know, Nick Sherrod's already out with injuries. If they lose somebody else and do start losing games, you know, I, I, can, I can revise that take. But this is a team that has everything primed to be... Um, I'm, I'm, I can't even think of a good comparison from the last few years. Um, you know, Dayton was a little bit above and beyond because they had the Obi top in effect and they were going to be a one seed. Same thing with San Diego State and uh, Malachi Flynn. Um, you know, Jacob Gilliard is real, real good, but he's neither right. of those players. Um, so uh, same thing with Grant Gold like Francis, you know, they're all really, really good, but none of them are an OB top and are Malachi Flynn. So um, Richmond, Richmond looks like a top four seed.
0: I I think I've got a good comp for you. Shoot. They look a lot like the 2014 St. Louis team. Went 27 and seven, got a five seed in the NCAA tournament. No absolute stars on that team, but they were led by four seniors. And you'll probably remember every single one of them, Jordan Air Jet, Dwayne Evans, Mike McCall, and Rob Lowe. Yep, Rob Lowe, the six yep. eleven guy with the blue hair. Yes, like it, it's that kind of team. Now that St. Louis team was a lot more uh, dependent on a an awesome defense. Uh, this Richmond team, a little bit more balanced on both sides of the ball. But if you're if you're looking for a good comp of a senior laden team with excellent players that aren't otherworldly superstars. That reminds me of that St. Louis
2: thing. Yeah, I I think that's a great comparison. Then, um, so super high on them right now. I have them above St. Louis just because the Kentucky win is the better win of the top two, but mm-hmm. I don't want to discount what St. Louis did. You know, granted it was playing in St. Louis, so it was technically a home game, although you know no fans or anything for that uh, MTE. But they beat a tough LSU team with a lot of good players. You know, five stars. Returning players like Trenton Watford, um, you know, Javante Smart, um, a ton, a ton of talent on that LSU team. And to beat that LSU team... It's a strong-ass team, Sam. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a strong-ass team. And so to beat them without Hassan French, like yep. without potentially their best player, you know, don't get me wrong, Jordan Goodwin, Javante Perkins, uh, Yuri Collins, who is my breakout player of the year pick, all look incredible they beat them without potentially their best player um and uh this is a team then you know the the next big test they have uh in the non-conference is minnesota in late december and then they get into the same rigors of the a10 um but i I, we haven't seen Dayton play yet so right now these are the two by far favorites for me in the a10 um I'm high on Bonaventure, too, and, you know, VCU has been a very pleasant surprise, Um, but there's just so much talent on these two teams, and I cannot wait, you know, like, January 29th, they play each other um, in Richmond. I can't wait for that game. February 26th, they play in St. Louis. Um, I will put my ass in a seat and watch that game and forget everything else going on in life to watch those two basketball games because those are two top 25 teams two teams who will be at worst f- or if they play well enough in the conference season and don't drop any dumb games um, you know this, these are teams that will be four seeds, five seeds, six seeds um, think you know like Houston a couple years ago um, think you know stuff like that They're they're going to be so tough and it's going to be so fun to watch <laughs> Definitely,
0: um, I have like one one point to make for for each of those teams. For for Richmond, uh, when Nick Sherrod went down, you know, I, I don't know what time doesn't mean anything. Whenever he went down, before October, the started, October. October, sure. Um, you know, you, you looked at their remaining guys and you, you said, "All right, this is this team is still good enough to be an NCAA tournament team." Definitely. Still good enough to be a top two team in the A10, and by extension, you know maybe hover around the top twenty five nationally, just because of all that they still have. Uh, some people before Sherrod went down were calling them a top fifteen team, and th- that's what I was worried that they that they would lose that kind of second weekend uh, status. What I didn't count on was somebody like Nathan Ko. Emerging in the way that he has, because he had moments last year. He was really good. He was outstanding against Kentucky today and against Moorhead state in that first game against Moorhead state. He was 10 for 10 from the field had 23 points. He had 18 more uh, today on eight of 13 shooting. Um, They needed somebody else to, uh, to step up and and he and he has done so and and jacob gilliard and blake francis have both been uh phenomenally even better than they were last year and you know grant golden is is the official um son of our blog um so congratulations to our child grant golden um so that that's my quick thought on richmond as for st louis uh gibson jimerson that's the tweet that's that's the comment. That's, That's the it. comment. That's the yeah, entire Gibson comment. Jimerson. That's it. I, I love the name, and he's had two really good games, and he missed most of last year. So, Gibson Jimerson.
1: Yeah, that really sums up my thoughts on both of those. I'm excited to watch
0: both of them. I think they're G- cool Gibson teams. Jimerson. I know. Yeah, they're very cool. Um, one last team I, I did want to touch on because it I guess that they win the prize over the first uh, five days of being maybe the most enigmatic team uh, so far. And that's San Francisco. Uh, Before the season started, we had them as one of those first teams out of the top 25 or of the other top 25, I should say. Like, you know, we're really maybe a good win or two away from breaking through. And then they come out immediately and lose to UMass Lowell. And then I'm thinking, all right, well, that, that's the end of them. We're never going to hear from them again. Kind of struggled to beat Towson. Ugh. And then they beat Virginia, 61 to 60. And then they lose to Rhode Island today. And, you know, maybe this is something that says more about, you know, to, to Hannah's point at, at the top about Virginia, one of those power conference teams that hasn't had the benefit of the scrimmages, closed door scrimmages exhibitions whatever um and, and this was just a game where a solid san francisco team got them uh but i don't know what, what do you guys make of the dons over the first weekend
1: i don't know if this was like their shining moment where they just were on at the right time or what but like it was a fun game i think it'll be interesting to see if they kind of after they lost rhode island today if it was if they're still kind of settling in, or if that was really kind of their high point of their season was right there.
2: I I put San Francisco in my top 25 this week. They are number 25. Um, the lost Rhode Island doesn't do them any favors. Uh, they have a lot of good games before they get into the conference season. Um, in a conf- again, so they're in the same conference as Gonzaga and Pepperdine and BYU and St. Mary's. Um, so we'll see... We'll see what they do, um, but they have games at Nevada, um, at Cal, at USC. Um, if they can win one of those and sort of prove that the, the Virginia game wasn't a fluke, um, especially considering the other the two losses they do have and how meh they looked against Towson, um, uh, maybe they'll deserve you know a, a much closer look. But right now, it kind of feels fluky. Um, Virginia is a team, you know, we saw it, you know, I don't want to keep bringing up old memes, but they lost at UMBC as a one seed. What? This is the first time hearing of that. Shut up. Well, I mean, they play play Bennett Ball, which is very slow and supposedly very efficient. And um, they play the pack line defense. And so they don't play well when they have to play catch up. Um, and there were times when San Francisco you know, was pulling out to multiple point leads, um, and Virginia has all of the talent to, to play catch up, but the system doesn't really allow them to just go score in bunches because of how slow the pace of play is and how their offense works. Um, so it, it was great that the Dons hit a bunch of random three-pointers in the second half, and it felt really good to watch that. Um, because, you know, you can see all of the promise San Francisco has, but right now I'm not exactly ready to like plant a flag into the ground and go, holy crap, this is a really good team because I have no idea yet.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny because they played Nevada next on, uh, on Wednesday and that might be that that's kind of a chance for both teams to kind of show us what, what they are because Nevada is a team that's, you know, two and zero. Ken Palm seems to like them. They beat Nebraska at Nebraska for whatever that's worth. I don't know. Um, so that's, that's another team that, you know, ha- has some, you know, some positive marks next to their name as San Francisco now does. Uh, but we're not really sure what we're dealing with. San Francisco is a solid team. Um, I just don't know if solid means, they're the fifth best team in the West Coast Conference, or the sec the second best, and, right. and that's something that we're going to have to find out. Right. So I think that's everything that I had. You guys have anything else before? Uh, I out? do have
2: I do have one shout out. Um, I'd like to give so another surprising okay. team, um, especially considering sort of where we've ranked or and how we view some of the teams they've beat. Um, coming out of the Southland, so giving Stephen F. Austin some competition this year, Abilene Christian three and O with wins yeah. over East Tennessee state and Austin P um, and you know, they, they whipped on East Tennessee state. They beat them by 23 um, Austin P, you know, by eight. So it's not a, not super, super close, but good. Um, uh, you know, their next big test comes against Texas tech, who's probably going to beat them. And then they get Arkansas, who's probably going to beat them, but then they sort of have, it's them. And then, you know, they're by far and away Ken Palm's favorite team in uh, the Southland, sort of the the, the only one close to Stephen F. Austin. So it would be really fun to watch them this year, especially if that's sort of your neck of the woods. Um, Abilene Christian looks really good. They shoot super well from three, which coming from a Marquette fan always makes for entertaining basketball. Sometimes you, and believe it or not, they actually play some pretty good defense too. So um, especially their turnovers. They turn, they, they're in top 10 in turnovers right now for Ken Palm, almost 30% of possessions. They're turning their opponents over. So uh, in a, in a conference like the Southland where you're not playing Richmond or Dayton or, you know, St. Mary's every day, um, that's going to win you a lot of basketball games without your offense needing to click super well. Um, but their offense, like I said, shoots the three really well. So it'll be really fun to see what they do this year. And it wouldn't shock me to see them as you know, they they sort of the South End has always been a, a 15 or a 16, you know, sometimes in the play in games, um, for the 16 seeds. Um, it, they could be a 14 or a 13 this year, um, and that's kind of exciting because I'd like to see what they their defense could do against somebody you know, a little bit more you know, coming from a power conference, and I'd like to see if their their three point percentage could keep up with the power conference defense, but. Um, uh, they're definitely going to be a a team I keep my eye on this year. When I, you know, before the season, wouldn't have even thought of them.
0: Yeah, shout out to uh, Clay Gaiman of Abilene Christian. Uh, Seven of eight from three, or sorry, I should say eight of nine from three over the first uh, three games.
2: Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and and then and just and just for kicks, they have um, you know. Other guys, you know, none of them have taken a, exactly a large volume of threes, but most of their shooters are like two of three, or three of three, or three of six, three of seven. You know, like It looks like everybody on their team can attempt a three, and there's a lot of, you know, because everybody on your roster can shoot the three, you might not have a massive volume coming from any one player. But I mean, even the seven-footer, Colton Cole, um, has, is one of two from three. Like, a, a team full of Seven foot, like guys that range from five seven and Damian Daniels to Colton Cole, um, at seven feet, who are all shooting threes, is always going to be fun, especially come March.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good call. And Abilene Christian is on my ballot for this week, uh, same. So they are well worth some recognition. Uh, do we have anything else? Nope, that's all I had. That's all great. right. All right, great. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. Just a reminder to go ahead and rate and review us if you haven't done so, and make sure you subscribe. You could find us wherever it is that you get your podcasts, I think. I haven't actually checked that in a while. I'm assuming that we're still on all of the uh, platforms, so you probably use Apple for your podcast. So, I know we're there because that's what I use. Um, so yeah, subscribe, rate, review, do all of that stuff. We will be back next week, um, to recap everything upcoming in college basketball. And until then for Hannah and Sam, I am Russ. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this week of college basketball.